and welcome to the Blizzard Watch Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Rossi, and with me this week are my fantastic co-hosts, Joe Perez and Liz Harper. Uh, take a bow, guys. I am taking a bow, but because this is an audio I- production, I'm going to describe it to you instead of actually showing you. <laughs> I'm not yeah, actually I'm not sure that... I'm not sure that translates. I mean, I can try. <laughs> the funny just, thing is, you when just I'm been talking, quiet and said you were doing it. Uh, when I'm talking, I always make like a lot of hand gestures, oh, and 100%. it's like then I think, then I think, oh, no one, no one has any idea what I'm doing. I should probably stop. Yeah, no, I, there's no reason to stop. I talk with my hands too all the time. <laughs> I can't help it. It's I was raised by Italians and Puerto Ricans. If I didn't talk with my hands, I'm pretty sure my body would explode. <laughs> <laughs> This week, we are going to be talking about various things, like uh, we've got a couple of news stories we're going to talk about, um, and we've also got some emails to read. That's good. Thanks for sending those, uh, and you know, questions you ask on Discord and all that stuff. That's all great. We all love that, but um, we're going to get started with a story that literally dropped today, and it is that there will be no BlizzCon online, or BlizzCon line, if you prefer, in 2022. The February BlizzCon line that was being planned out is not happening. And Blizzard has said that they are reimagining, and you can't see my air quotes, so I put them in my voice. Uh, they are reimagining BlizzCon for the future. Like, what is it going to be? What is it going to? How is it going to look? Uh, this is simultaneously the least surprising news I can imagine. Like, I, I, the moment the uh, current situation with Activision Blizzard and its legal troubles started, going back months now, I kn- I knew that we were not going to see any sort of BlizzCon in 2022. Oh, I, yeah. I knew it. Oh yeah. Um, and yet it's also, I don't want to say interesting, but it is certainly something to think about in terms of considering BlizzCon is a big part of how this entire problem got started um, in terms of how people were being treated there and what was happening there. Do we, you know, is it, it's not surprising, but will there ever be an in-person BlizzCon again? Um, when I went to BlizzCon 2019, I remember saying to people as a joke, yeah, this might be the last one since I finally came. And now I'm seriously wondering if 2019 will be the last in-person BlizzCon we ever have. I'm going to turn this over to Joe and Liz to discuss it. But first, in fact, I'm going to, going to pick randomly with this. I actually have a D20 here. So I call evens. <laughs> okay. Well then Liz, uh, cause I rolled a 16. No, no, that means Joe. <laughs> This is this is already so confusing. I love it. The chaos is real, real big Mitch energy here. Um, <laughs> I I'm not surprised. I honestly uh, think this is probably the right call, but it's it's more than just the lawsuit and everything that's been going on. We've heard about the working conditions and how everything are and how people are feeling about working on the games right now. And you have to keep in mind that BlizzCon in any form is a huge production. They, the folks volunteer for it, sure, but there's folks that don't get to volunteer for it, and they put tons of hours into it. Even when they did BlizzCon online last year, which we we heralded as a great thing because for accessibility, it was a great thing. And we were talking about how we'd like to see more digital cons in the future. I wouldn't be surprised if that is something that still happens, but right now them not doing this is probably the smart thing to do. Give people the break, figure out what's going on, figure out what's going on worker wise, because they probably have nobody that's going to volunteer for it. And like Matt pointed out, BlizzCon is where a lot of this stuff kind of started. So maybe, maybe we'll be better for it uh, at the end of this. Will there be another BlizzCon? Maybe not, 
Maybe it'll be, it'll evolve into something else. Maybe it'll be a part of something else. Maybe they'll start doing multiple events a year that are like BlizzCon lights that attach themselves to something like, I'm just going to throw like how PAX is out there. And PAX is basically like a giant multi-day con, but it's also like a ton of mini cons strung together because there's card games and board games and uh, all the video game stuff as well. Like there, there's subsections to it, right? Maybe BlizzCon starts turning into something kind of like that. Um, I selfishly don't want it to go away because that's how I've met a lot of people that I consider very good friends. Uh, for a lot of us, it was our first actual convention we went to that wasn't just some local one that was super small. So there's a, a nostalgia factor there despite all of the black cloud that surrounds it. So, But whether or not it's going to be the, the last one that we had in 2019 and, and the last one, digital one last year, I hope not, but we don't know. Liz? I... I also hope this isn't the last one, but I don't think it's going to be the last one. I feel like in-person gaming events, even even me, I'm an antisocial hermit, but like Joe said, I met so many people at BlizzCon. I've spent so much time with people that I play with online all the time, but I never see them. And that means so much to be able to go to BlizzCon and spend time with people that I spend so many hours with online and hang out in real life. That is such a big community thing. Being able to connect with everyone and being able to cement those friendships and reality and see people face to face. That is, that's such a great experience. But at the same time, this is, this is now is the time to reimagine BlizzCon. Now is a time to reimagine the gaming convention and to think about it in a safety first perspective because a lot of gaming conventions a lot of geek conventions they don't necessarily think safety first and oh no yeah yeah it's kind of a side effect of being a very homogenized culture like you know there are a lot of white men doing gaming and that's how it's been for a long time and you know kind of we've certainly seen with gamergate how there can be a backlash to other people, you know, trying to make their mark in gaming. And that's just, so the whole thing has really just not been from a perspective of, okay, I'm going to a convention, but I also need to be worried that I might get hurt. Someone might slip something into my drink. Someone might harass me or stalk me all over the convention center. I, there might be physical violence against me. Because all of these things are potential concerns for women and marginalized groups. And they usually aren't addressed by gaming conventions, particularly harassment, which can be a big deal. Like, we go to these things to see people in real life, see, and it's so much fun. It's so exciting to make those connections. But if someone is harassing you, if someone is stalking you, someone's bothering you, that totally takes fun out of the equation. And traditionally, Gaming events have not taken this seriously. So now's the time to do it. This is a great time to pause BlizzCon and make it better next time. I'll tell you right now, when uh, when the world is safe and I throw LoaderCon, whatever year, y'all will be invited <laughs> and I'll make sure that it's a safe and friendly event. It'll be fine. But yeah, I, I do think that you know we do need to think about how cons are going to go in the future, both in-person ones if we have them and you know any digital replacements there there needs to be a focus on things like security safety and uh, accessibility I mean, as well yeah so. accessibility yeah absolutely um the blind guy over here absolutely agrees with that one um but 
at this point, we're going to move on. Uh, Liz, you suggested two Hearthstone topics. I'm going to let you pick one. Pick which one you want and talk about it. Just one. I can only talk about one. Okay. I Um, I think I'll be completely upfront with you. The second one you posted is interesting, but I don't know if it's a discussion topic. The um, coins one. It's up to you. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'll, I'll go with the newsy one, which is that if you've been playing Hearthstone Mercenaries, you may have noticed that, you know, there's kind of a mystery spot in different bounty maps. And you, you know, progress through the bounty towards this mystery spot. And when you click on it, you get a random thing. And the most valuable thing, in my opinion, is the mysterious stranger who, when you click on the mysterious stranger, you get a task for one of the mercenaries in your party. And when you complete this task, which maybe use this skill 20 times, do 500 damage, you know, things like that. Um, When you complete this task, you get coins for that mercenary and you get a pretty substantial amount of coins for the, you know, for the mercenary. Coins are not easy to come by specifically when you're looking for coins for a specific mercenary. It's pretty time consuming to grind those up. So people had kind of found a, you know, that lower level missions were the way to do this because they're, the bounties are shorter, the maps are smaller. You can just go in and zoom to that mystery spot, click on your stranger, collect that task, and then you break in the coins. It was still slow because the uh, mercenary you get coins for is still randomized amongst who you have in your group. You don't like choose one. You have a choice of three of the six you have with you. So you still couldn't perfectly target the mercenary you were trying to level up, but it was better than anything else. And Blizzard saw people doing this. And so they have made it to where the spawn rate for the mysterious stranger is Super, super low if your party is high level and you're doing a low level bounty. So they've just made it significantly harder to get coins because the higher level maps are both pretty challenging to get through and also they're longer. Some of the early maps are like four encounters, five encounters you have to get through to get through the entire map. And later maps might be like 10 and a very difficult fights, and you have to progress through a bunch of them to find that mystery spot. Um, it's just, it's it's frustrating because it's hard to get coins. It's hard to get coins for the people you want to get coins for, and it's really slow to advance, and this makes it just that little bit slower. And that's, that's really all I got, except unless you want me to spend like a half hour complaining about the coin system, which I could do, but... Could you, could you boil it down into like a soundbite? For, for yeah, explain it. Explain it to those yeah. of us who maybe don't understand what the coin system is. Okay, well, in Hearthstone Mercenaries, you have heroes. Really, you should think about this as like pet battling because the system is a lot like pet battling. You have these mercenaries, and you fight them against other mercenaries, and you kind of progress through like a randomly generated map of encounters. It's just like a number of encounters with a couple of different paths to the end, and you progress through these fights to level up your mercenaries to improve their abilities you need to collect coins and leveling each ability costs a certain number of coins starting at 50 coins and going up to 150 coins Uh, each you have three abilities per mercenary each has five ranks and they also have three pieces of gear and all of this needs to be leveled up if you want to make your mercenary more powerful 
And all of that costs coins. It costs something like 1,500, 1,600 coins in order to get them to maximum level. And doing a single task will net you 30 to 60 coins. So you can see you need a lot of tasks in order to get those coins and advance your characters. And the only other way to do tasks besides finding this mystery stranger, which is a random spawn on maps, is to just wait for them to spawn. Every day you get four tasks that randomly spawn. Could be for the mercenaries you want, could be for mercenaries you don't care about. And the only way to even remotely target them is to play through a map and go for that mystery spot and hope the mystery spot spawns a mystery stranger and hope the mystery stranger offers you a task for one of the mercenaries that you actually want to advance. So it's like this this multi-level thing of randomness in order to get a relatively small reward. And they make even getting that small reward more difficult. Does that make any sense to anyone who doesn't play Hearthstone? I'm not sure at this it, point. I think it does because it reminds me of what they've been doing in Shadowlands. Yeah. In yeah, terms of yeah. You know, gear, the way gear drops and so forth. It's randomization put on top of randomization, like with the Great Vault. So it's like you can't, it, it's very hard for you to have a strategy mm-hmm. because the strategy is just keep hoping. Um, yeah. So, yeah, it, it is. it makes sense. It's It's just keep grinding. And if you don't get what you want, grind some more. And if you don't get what you want, grind some more. And it's just, it's an awful lot of grinding in Hearthstone right now. Yep. Uh, any, anything else before we move on? And unless you want me to go into my like half hour Hearthstone rant, no. Then, okay. Because <laughs> uh, whilst I don't necessarily mind and think it would be interesting, I do think that we kind of need to talk about the fact that we now know when uh, patch 9.1.5 is going to drop. That is kind next- of, Im- that is kind yeah. of important slightly. So next week, November 2nd, is when it drops. Uh, And one of the things people have been asking us pretty constantly is, when's the Mage Tower? When's Legion Time Walking? And the answer to that is my birthday. So on December 7th, a.k.a. Matt Day, uh, and also the 10th anniversary of Cataclysm, by the way, keep that in mind, uh, they will be dropping Legion Time Walking, and you will be able to start running the Mage Tower. I believe it's going to be repeating after that at a relatively like common amount the first time it goes it's going to have two weeks uh so you'll have like two weeks to do time walking and two weeks on the mage tower and then after that it will be repeating on the the usual uh, time walking schedule so that's happening uh there's plenty of other stuff happening with 9.1.5 a lot of changes we've talked about some of them in the past the uh the changes to things like uh island expeditions to make farming them easier the transmog changes, bringing in all of Battle for Azeroth stuff uh, to the legacy loot so you can farm it for transmog. There's there's a fair amount coming in 9.1.5. But the time walking changes are the ones that I thought I think most people are curious about. Uh, are you, of you interested in the new Mage Tower? Yes. <laughs> Joe, Joe is interested I'm, in the new Mage Tower. I'm interested in the mount reward. I'm not sure if I'm going to be able to get through all of those challenges. I don't know. I Like right now, I don't have enough characters at 60. Yeah, I was gonna say, don't you need basically twelve? Like you I need will... every class? No, you no, don't. You need you just some. You just need rolls. Oh, so you need yeah. like seven? Okay, no, that makes yeah. Sense. What you don't even need seven. Like my main is a paladin. I can do three of those seven challenges. I can do the healer challenge. I can do the tank challenge, and I can do one of the DPS challenges. 
but yep. then you need different classes to do all the DPS challenges. So there's like three DPS challenges, right? Yeah, exactly. Three DPS, like, two healing, and then the tank one, I know I thought, for sure. I thought there was just one healing. Uh, there's a, there's one, I think, specifically for discipline. Hmm. Oh, yeah, I don't have one of those at all. I, I, could, I could be mistaken. It's been a long time since I really paid attention yeah. to the tower, but I remember like discipline being a standout for some reason or for, for, for that. Um, maybe, I, mean, I don't know if I it was thought, complexity or whatever, but I think discipline is on one of the DPS. Yeah. Okay. The, the, yep. Yeah, that's what people are saying. Uh, it's the same one as the, the Beastmaster hunters. Okay. Thank you. Molly. So right now I have a paladin, I have a shaman and I have a druid all at max level with okay gear on my alts, but that is not enough to do all the challenges. I need like one more character. I, I haven't done, I haven't looked at it lately, but I need at least one more character to get everything it, it for me it just gives me it gives me something to actually work towards with my alts mm. it's it's one of those things where like i haven't really had a large incentive to really work on alts this expansion because one there's too much to do with one character and too much to keep up with uh which we've talked about before that's a whole other topic uh but it's this is something that gives me an excuse to finish leveling up my hunter, finish leveling up my my priest, finish leveling up my warlock, like actually go through and spend some time with some of those to get them to a point where they can do the, the mage tower because I liked the mage tower. And I think I have some of the challenges actually completed from from actual Legion. And I think they said they're carrying over the completion of that. I don't I can't remember. Yes. No. My my imagining things. But- um- I'm not aware I'm not, that they're carrying over. I have not seen completion. any carryover stuff. Okay, even then, like I enjoyed doing it at the time, so it gives me it gives me something to focus on that I enjoy because we've talked about this on <laughs> on multiple times here. I've complained about it in guild. My guildies that are listening to the stream right now or listening to the recording will know that I've complained about this. I hate doing Torghast. I don't like it. It's not what I thought it was going to be. It does not make me happy. And so, like, I don't have repeatable content that really draws me back into the game besides keeping up on my wizard chores on my main character. And even that's sort of waxing. But this this gives me something that I do want, that I enjoyed, that I like the challenge of, that I can focus on and work towards. So I'm all for it. Yeah, I'm looking at the various challenges now, and there are seven of them. Right. Uh, and from what I'm seeing here, you're going to need at least two other characters, Liz. Uh, because paladins can do three of these seven, and mm-hmm. they there's like not a lot of overlap in the ones like a death knight can't do anything that you you know that they they don't do stuff even though you could have a ret paladin doing an impossible foe they don't get it uh, right it's so you know and for that matter closing the eye no paladin on that one um, so the DPS that one that paladins can do is just one of several. Uh, so yeah, I think you're going to need at least two other characters. You're probably going to well, need mean, a range. You're going to need a range DPS. Although I ironically, have, the the God Queen's Fury that is one of the ones Red Paladins can do. So I mean, I I have a Shaman and I have a Druid, but that's that's not enough to cover all of them. No, um, it's close though. It is close. I think Druids I, can I, do a lot. Druids can do one, two, but then again, Druid does one that Paladins can do as well. Exactly. But, exactly. The Druid tanks and Druid healers are both overlaps. But you could do uh, an impossible foe for feral druid. Um, you know, end of the risen threat. Yeah, that's that's one that you. That's you the do healer. Yeah. But balanced druid can do thwarting the twins, and that's not one. So you can do you could cover two others with your druid. 
Um, I'm just gonna. I'm just going to have to get someone to teach me how to play a druid because I'm not a good druid. Yeah, there is that. Yeah. Quite I mean, I know I'm not getting the book like straight up. I know I'm not because I don't care enough to level all these different <laughs> characters. Like I, I'm, I'm willing to go do it on my warrior. Cause you know, cool. I'll get the warrior tier set. That's like a better looking version of the mythic uh, tier set, but I'm not, interested in doing like all these different things if i had a druid though i would definitely want to get the mage tower reward for the for like guardian druids yes yeah that is a heck of a nice transmogration. it's actually better looking in my opinion than the original thing that it is a a, a skin of the original werebear i think is actually lacking compared to this one i think this one looks better so i might level my druid just so i can get that because that's cool yeah, I, I have a bunch of characters that are right on the cusp, and then I just got to gear them out. And with the catch-up mechanics that they're putting into 9.1.5 as well, because there are a number of them for anima and other stuff even still being adjusted, I should be able to get them to a point where I can do them pretty quickly. And I'm I'm sort of here for it. I think it'll be fun. At least for me, it will be. Yeah, so that's cool. Uh, that is, that's something you might want to, if you had not known it already, you might want to get ready for it, because it's next week as we record this. Um but the, and the, the Mage Tower is a little further out. That's, the Mage Tower so, is, as is you said, December, 7th. December 7th. Yes. My birthday. Uh, I will be old, old, old. And for my birthday, they're giving me a chance to bash my head against a really hard encounter from several <laughs> expansions ago. Thank you. I, I mean, it's, it's the perfect gift. Yeah. <laughs> what do you, what do you get to Matt Rossi that already has his shoulders? <laughs> uh, yes. I don't know why. I just was struck with a moment of melancholy. Oh, yes. I was remembering the years I spent on that guy. <laughs> Anyway, <laughs> um, so yeah, that that does it for uh, well, news for now. I are there? Liz are is there going to any, say something. I I'm trying to say something. Are there any other nine one five things that y'all are really looking forward to, other than the mage tower, the transmog stuff? Mm, always transmog stuff. Always yeah. transmog stuff. Well, I, I mean, I do like the catch up mechanics that Joe mentioned. Um, I I, I really haven't. Yeah, covenant swapping and the fact that mm-hmm. there's a question about covenant swapping that we might get to today. Uh, so I don't want to go too into that, but yeah, there's, there's a fair amount that I'm interested in, but yeah, there's it's really hard for me to talk like the, the legacy loot change. I'm mm-hmm. also interested in it because they keep having to do this. Like they did this during uh battle for Azeroth too. Remember they had to suddenly just put Legion and legacy loot mm-hmm. like yep. when the, and now they're doing it for battle for Azeroth stuff. I'm hoping this means that when they go into the next expansion, they will realize that the legacy loot rule is outdated and just do it and not make themselves or even say we will be doing it at the middle of this expansion and just get that out of the way up front because yeah it's silly it's it's silly that you have to wait you know you're supposed to be in like the next expansion content before you can go two expansions back for for transmog farming is just silly um but yeah one, one thing one thing I'm going to do on day one is I'm going to go see if I can solo any battle for Azeroth raids. I'm, I'm real curious if my paladin can do like maybe the first raid. You might be able to do older. Um, my friend, yeah, Matt, who's my friend, Matt's a proud warrior. He's, he's done most of all now. Yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to, that's day one. That's what I'm going to be doing. No competitive content, nothing like that. No covenant stuff. I'm going to be just seeing if I can solo old raids. You got to get that two handed mace. It's awesome. What? I, I don't have any of the plate transmog from old year. It's good transmog. So, too. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't like the face. He ha- the face having helmet, but otherwise, yeah, 
I don't like it when my helmet just has a face on it. It's it's. I didn't like that Wrath set that was like Edvard Monk's The Scream, and I don't like the Aldir face, but I do like the transmog aside from that. I think that the armor looks cool. Uh, and I do have, I have both of those maces. I have the one that the boss originally dropped that was pure, that it was intended to be purely cosmetic, but when he dropped it, it actually had stats. Yep. So I have the statted version of that mace, um, which they then turned into a, tr- into a cosmetic only, but I have the original version, which is really cool. That's one of my favorite things that I have. Um, yeah. And the, both versions of that mace are really good in terms of looks. So, but I think we're going to move on now to doing some of the, their top, the emails and questions that we do here on the show. And as always, I become a old grizzled prospector the second I start talking about this and I don't know why, but I'm just going to go with it. Um, if you've got a question for the podcast, uh, we have multiple ways you can send it to us. Uh, the first is email, and y'all have been emailing again, and that's great. I'm actually really appreciative. Keep doing that. Uh, the email is podcast at blizzardwatch.com with the subject line podcast or Blizzard Watch, so we know it's for this show. Uh, or you can go to our Discord, and we have two Discord channels for uh, questions. We've got the Patron Q and Podcast Questions channel, and several questions were taken from that as well, and we really appreciate that. That's that's for patrons because they make the site and all it does possible. Uh, but if you can't be a patron, we, we get it. We know how things can be tough, and you just you know don't always have the money you would like to spend on things. You can still go to our Q Questions channel, and you can ask questions for this podcast or the other podcasts we do. As, as Joe likes to remind us, we're up to three podcasts, guys. We we need questions. Like a hungry beast, constantly constantly wanting questions. That's us. Question us. Just imagine that I'm a giant space plant saying, "Feed me, Seymour." Yeah, kind of like that. Uh, or or like an eye, an, an, a, a dragon with a big eye in its mouth, because that's a thing that exists now. I have that um, in my book. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, regardless, questions. Ask them. We love it. Uh, I, I feel like Liz kind of jinxed me earlier because she's like, oh, he's gonna he's not going to pick me and I don't know what's going to happen. And it's like, now I'm like, maybe I'll read the question. I can read the question to them and they'll have to they'll have to sit there and go like, oh, God, he's reading the question. Can he do it this week or is his eye completely blown out? Who knows? Well, let's find out. Hi, Watchers. Ooh. To add to Rickle's question from last week about artifacts, I have a question. I like Matt's arms warrior ideas. But I would have liked to see Zinrock as an alternate arms weapon, maybe unholy. Uh, for that matter, out of 36 artifacts, not a single one was a troll weapon. Yeah, yeah, a troll expansion, but a troll pointy stick would have been, you know, nice. But my actual question is this. Uh, the artifact power was kind of a mess. Instead of the tree it got, how about modeling the weapon skill tree a, a bit more like a classic skill tree on an additional skill tree like the, the main character skill tree? Uh, quest chains, raid bosses, PvP to unlock, a slightly gated to level it up. No endlessly running Maw of Souls grind on out AP. Uh, easy target. Imagine if my troll warrior could wander around the old troll instances with Stromkar and get cheered on and everyone is friendly. Uh, the cower. Crud. So, yeah, that's the question. It's from easy target. Um, which one he wants to go first? I've talked a lot. Liz, you want to go? Uh, sure. I mean, one of the things that I really felt didn't work with artifacts was that you could eventually collect as much artifact power as you needed and, like, max out your artifact and just get everything. And what I didn't like about that was there was no choice. You didn't... I feel like you should always add player customization and player choice 
So I could choose to go this way down my artifact path and be stronger here, but a little weaker there, or go this way. And it kind of felt like the way they did artifacts wasn't wasn't quite like that. There were no choices. The only choice was, okay, this is more important to me. I'm going for this first. And that was that was it. I felt it was kind of a maybe a little too simple. And it could have been something really neat that could have really pushed customization and you know, specking your character the way you wanted. And maybe you could have even had abilities on the tree be stronger than they were because players would have to make choices and they couldn't get everything. And as it was, they were kind of, you know, not all of them were very exciting. There were a few exciting ones and a lot of totally not exciting ones. Yeah, I think one of the things I, I dislike about the original uh, World of Warcraft talents, and I've always disliked it, and it's one of the reasons I never want them to come back, is all the stuff that's just one, two, three, four, five chance to X. Mm-hmm. And it's just there to fill in a role. Like, you know, we need to get you spending points to get down this tree to like one of the, the major capstones. So here's a bunch of, it just adds more crit or it just adds more haste or it wasn't haste back then. It was like attack speed or something. Attack speed and dodge percentage. But, and Yeah, that kind of stuff I don't like. I do like, however, the idea of the artifact talent tree having exclusivity. Like if you pick this, it puts you on this tree on this path and you can't go over there now. And you know what I mean? Like there's choices that you make and those choices direct you and you know, you can't just be everything. That was the biggest problem with the artifact. In my opinion was because they were trying to make the artifact grind, go out and do something. They eventually just let it fill up the whole weapon and you just had everything. And that on the one hand, the power fantasy was nice for like a while. But when they put in a thing that was literally just endless artifact power for more stuff, that's this, you just, you just get, you just hit harder and just keep filling this one thing forever. It's like, this is not like meaningful anything. This is literally just magic stick, get more, more, more ouchie. I, I don't feel like I'm doing anything. So, and because of how it was, it became part of your character. Like your character was just more powerful because your weapon was more powerful. And and so it felt weird when you lost it because suddenly you lost all of it in one go. Um, So I, I I don't know that I want it to be just like classic trees or what have you, but I do agree with the idea that there should be choice and there should be exclusivity. Like you cannot have everything. If you, if you take this, that's it. You can't take those other two things. That's one of the things I like about the current talent tree is like you get one thing from it. Like for every tier, you get one choice. You you can't pick those other two ever. Um, but I would also kind of like it if it went the way, like the one thing I did like about the classic tree was that it had an end goal and yeah. you could get there in a couple of different ways, but you could also choose since you chose to go that way and get to that end goal, there was still stuff you could do from the other trees, but they were directed and they weren't going to get you to the end of that tree. So that kind of thing I would kind of like to see brought back. I did like, I liked having a 31 like 20 build back in, in classic. I just didn't like that. It was 31 20 when like 15 and five were just busy work talents. Like, you know, okay, I got to take five t- levels in. don't hit me as hard. Um, that kind of thing is not to my mind, very compelling Joe. So I'm going to be kind of a slightly unpopular opinion. I liked the way that artifacts went for the simple fact that there were 36 of them. Let's, let's keep that in mind that that is a insane number of artifacts and if you were to do what we're talking about pie in the sky here 
having all that choice, now you have to balance how, how, how many different paths do you put on each of them? So now you have 36. Yeah. Let's say there's 36 of them that each have three different paths on each of them. That's over 100 paths that you now have to balance on top of balancing 36 specs in game. That is, I, I definitely think you're right here, by the way. I, I, I agree. No. But one of the things that I was, I think we're the reason we're talking about I, it is because we're thinking about a future artifact. I, I understand, which is where I was going to go the next part. So the next part is if you do something like that, I think you approach it differently. I like the idea of exclusivity and choice. And honestly, I really like the way that the covenant track works when you are soul bound. And like you pointed out, you have a certain set of exclusivity and yes, you can change it on the fly. Like you can talents. That's fine. But you make a choice. You go down that path. It has choices inside of it that you can't have everything inside of the path you choose it gives you a sense of almost meaningful nature. And I like the idea of having an end in sight. Part of the problem I had with artifacts in general isn't so much how they implemented them with like the choices they made at the start. It was that it was a continuous, endless, bottomless pit that made it feel like if you didn't keep up with it, you just got weaker because you did. And it incentivized players to spend a ton of time farming artifact power to try to keep up and stay competitive if they were doing something that needed them to be competitive. Two shaman, I'll just use healing as an example. If one has, you know, you've completed X plus 10 and the other one has completed X, you're going to want to take the one that is X plus 10. That was a legitimate problem we ran into when trying to find groups for Mythic Plus or for any sort of competitive content if you wanted to do that stuff. So instead, I think in, uh, instead of having like 36 artifacts, you pare it down to one per class. And inside of that artifact or item or whatever, you get those choices. You can choose the spec or the, the the tree that you go down inside of it. So you still get your 36 paths or, or whatever you're going to choose, but it more closely looks like the covenants because I honestly think the covenants are like the perfect balance of it. There's a point where you just hit the, the maximum apex point. You get the final thing that unlocks in the soul bind. You have the choice. You have choices within those three choices. And I would love to see that carried over. We got a question. I think it was, Last week or the week before, I apologize, time is a blur, where somebody asked what system we'd like to carry over. And this question actually made me think about what I would like to carry over from Shadowlands. Get rid of the the the, the goofy mission table. It, it, it's been along forever. I don't know why it's still here. I don't even touch it anymore. But something like this, the system with like the Soulbind, applying it to something in the framework of like that, the the artifacts... That'd be great. And increasing things like uh, cosmetics or RP events or things that like allow you to walk into certain areas that, you know, NPCs react to it. We've seen them do this. We've had artifacts and weapons and items in game. Matt, you've talked about this before, like having the original uh, Ashbringer and going to the Scarlet Monastery. They would bow to you. <laughs> like. Mm -hmm. Uh, having the, and I can't remember the name of it now, the elemental weapon in, in, in Legion, you would go to storm peaks and the elementals would not aggro on you as long as you had it equipped. And it was something that was just kind of the fist of Rodin, wasn't it? The fist of Rodin, the storm fist. If you had it, you literally just did not get attacked up that mountain. You just walked up. Nothing bothered you. But if you took it off or if you didn't have it, they would immediately aggro you. 
And it was a cool little flavor thing. Like they could add stuff like that on there. And I think paring it down a little bit, instead of worrying about story for 36 items, instead of worrying about uh, different paths and power levels in 36 items, having something smaller in scope allows them to do larger things with it. I don't know if that makes sense, but that's where I'm at. I'm with you guys. I like the idea of having sort of that exclusivity, allowing you to have choice and agency in what you choose, what it does for your character. But I think with the way they had it before, 36 artifacts, it would have been impossible. Absolutely impossible. I will say, however, that I agree that it was weird that not a single weapon was troll. I would agree. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. When we have a plentiful, um, plentiful number of, of troll weapons. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, I would I would basically not want Zinrock. I would want Troll Kalar uh, because it's got more lore to it. We have no idea what Zinrock was other than it was. Um, but for that matter, there's also Jinrock. If we're going to be bringing back rock weapons, Gen Rock, which was better looking. Um, but at any rate, yeah, I think we've pretty much covered this. Uh, easy target. Thank you for the question. I think he, it's a it's a good point. Uh, both the, the troll item thing and the idea of how could we have done artifacts differently or how could we bring that back if we did. Uh, for the next one, I'm not going to read it because that was probably more reading than I can do at one go. Um, so, uh, yeah, I'm going to just say Liz. <laughs> Okay, we have a question from Arvis. We know that 9.1.5 will allow a character to retain the Covenant items that they've earned after leaving a Covenant. Does this translate to other characters who can use the items, mounts, pets, transmogs, being able to use them, even if they never joined the Covenant? For example, if my Shannon joins only Bastion, can she use the Nightfay mounts and transmog that my Hunter has earned? I have been told that they can but I don't, I do not know from my own experience. Yeah. This one, I'm actually not sure on. Honestly, what's the harm if it does. And, and I, I guess that's the question that I would ask. Cause I know that some players uh, have very strong feelings on this, but I keep coming down to the question of if they allow it and open it up, it, it I personally feel that it's just better. I think that if you've worked that hard to unlock stuff and those different covenants, why not? Why not let it be account bound at this point? I think we've moved past the point of exclusivity on those particular types of cosmetic items. So I, I don't see a problem with it. And I, I kind of hope that it is the case. I don't know for sure though. Like I've heard the same thing that you method. I've heard that it is, I have not experienced it. So I don't know. But yeah, I, it is certainly something to be looking out for. Um, and I, I also, you know, is it a surprise that I agree people should have more transmog options? I mean, come on. It would uh, be more of a surprise if I was like, no, we shouldn't do this. <laughs> like, what are you talking about? No, in fact, it should be harder to get transmog looks in general. It's not Rossi. Pull off the mask. <gasps> it's Mitch. It's been Mitch the whole time. Um, he doesn't even believe that. Yeah, it's true. I don't believe. By the way, uh, Padilla in chat says it does. If you unlock a covenant to 80 renown, all of your characters can use what you've unlocked. And that potentially opens up cool transmog options, which, as our regular listens will know, is the only thing we care about here at Blizzard Watch. I don't think you should spread that kind of propaganda, because when they find out that we hate <laughs> transmog and all of his works, they're going to be upset. No, seriously, guys, if, at this point, I mean, if we ha- if we were doing this as a video podcast, I'd literally have a fashion show every week. I'm not messing around here. <laughs> yeah. But yeah no. it, that's good. Thank you, Fidia, by, by the way, for coming in on that. Um, okay. Well, here's a question about features that the game desperately needs um, that I think is the question Joe thought we answered last time, but we didn't. Uh, so here it is, Joe. Read it. 
Um, no, we've answered a lot of this, this type of question, but this one is different. Uh, hello, watchers. I just want to ask if there is any feature you feel the game desperately needs. I know they are working on trying to give us the best game they can. The only feature which would benefit WoW greatly would be the job system from Final Fantasy XIV. The fact that you can level all the classes on one character is very appealing. I know you have mentioned the dual classes and class skins as a possibility, using lore as a reason for it to be possible, such as Taronda being a hunter priest among them, but lore would not support multi-classes. Personally, I would use Medan. I would have him be a recluse, truly scared of all his power he was given, and make it so the only reason he was able to be every class was a gift from Azeroth. And when she saw this, did not uh, did not help. She tried a different approach with Mango, but uh, maybe it is time for her to revisit this by giving the player characters the same gift, and maybe one person from each class, so it truly isn't lore-breaking. I'm sure professional writers could come up with a better better reason, but at the very least, there is no reason why certain classes like Warrior, Hunter, Monk, and Mage should be classes every character in their armor class can pick up in addition to their respective class. And that is from Anonymous. Um, I'm going to say I don't know what he means by tried it with Mango. I don't either. <laughs> I think that might have been an autocorrect, maybe. Yeah, like, I, who's Mango? The only thing I can think of is you meant to say tried it with Medivh, but Medivh really wasn't multi-class. So or Medan. maybe he met Medan twice, but maybe I don't he met know. Oh, but Mango. I was like sitting here for like the character from the old Saturday Night Live sketch. <laughs> like, just oh. a fruit. <laughs> what? What are we talking about? He's Mango. Okay. Yep. Sorry. Wow. Yes. Only Joe and I know what we're talking uh, about. I, sorry, Liz. P- Padilla, Padilla says uh, that they think they mean Magni, which is also possible. Oh, Magni's yeah, also that, a warrior. Yeah, Mag- Magni. But uh, yeah, okay. At least I I understand what you mean. Okay. Well, let, let's let's have Liz answer. Yeah. I mean, this is another one that comes down to customization. And like we were talking about earlier with the artifact trees, I really loved talent trees from the early game because they let you do that customization. And if you allowed multi-classing, like I'm thinking multi-classing, not where you can like switch jobs like in Final Fantasy 14, but if you could multi-class like you do in D&D, and say, okay, I'm going to be like Tyranda, you're um, a hunter priest. And you have some skills from here and some skills from there. And you get to, you kind of have to choose, okay, I want to be more priest or I want to be more hunter. I'm going to advance this, not that. And you can hybridize your character in unique ways based on what you want to do in the game. Like any class combination you come up with could be really interesting and unique. And it would just be for you. Um, and that's what I really love about games is ways you can customize and say, this is how I want to play. It would probably be a balance nightmare, but I am I am super into this idea. Yeah. I'm sitting here thinking about like how that would work, but I think I need more time. Okay. Uh, I don't think we have time for me to actually get into it on this show. I, I, I had I used to actually have an idea for like multi-classing. Uh, so that would work within Oh my god, I'm actually talking about it. All right, here we go. Um, basically, my idea for multiclassing was always that you, instead of having it be like true multiclassing where you are members of both classes, you would be able to pick up talents and, and abilities from another class. Like you'd still be a paladin, but you could get Mortal Strike or you could get um, like the the priest mind control ability. Like you'd, you'd unlock it with like a quest of some sort or a quest chain. And in order to get the abilities from a class, you'd have to do that quest chain for that class to unlock it. And 
you could only do it like you could only have one on a character. Like if you wanted to have like priest abilities on your paladin, you could, but you can't then also go out and get hunter abilities because I do think you have to limit the complexity, not because players aren't smart enough to figure out how to use it coolly, but because the balance becomes impossible. Like if you've got a warrior with like hunter and paladin and druid abilities, it just after a while, it's just too much. Uh, Not you can, it works in tabletop, but even in tabletop, if you just like tried to go to level 20 and be one, like, like wizard two, sorcerer two, warlock two, paladin two, like eventually it would be useless. So I do think there needs to be a little constraint to it, but I do like the idea of multi-classing as opposed to the job system. If only because the job system confuses the heck out of me. Um, I'll be up front. I've never really understood. So, But that's my two cents on this. In terms of I, systems I would like to see, I don't got one for you. Sorry. I do. I have one. And this is going way back to the deep, deep, deep past of Lorewatch. And uh, I think before I was ever officially a host on this show, I guessed it very early on in the Blizzard Watch podcast uh, early days, all those many, many years ago. And I brought up something about hybrid classes. I like the idea of hybrid classes and there are a different take on it in every game you play. And to my, for my money, Lord of the Rings online probably had one of the coolest systems for it in the Dwarven runesmith. The Dwarven runesmith was a purely, truly hybrid class between DPS and healing that gained effective effectiveness based off of what it was doing at the time. So as it cast more DPS spells, it got better at using DPS, like basically being DPS with a certain ramp up time and less effective at healing. It didn't take it away from them. They could still dip into that and still heal, but then the, the meter would swing the other way. And as they did more healing, it would reduce the amount of DPS they did and you could balance out and switch on the fly. And it was a very, very dynamic feeling gameplay. And that was one of those things where I really fell in love with it. And no other game that I've ever played has had a class quite done like that. WoW has had hybrid classes from the very, very beginning, but hybrid really ultimately just meant uh, classes that had different talent trees that could dip into uh, any of the three meta roles, right? Uh, or multiple of the three meta roles, and the three meta roles being tank healer, DPS, uh, shaman being one of them, paladins being another, druids being another back in the day when we had those really big talent tree systems that Liz was talking about and Matt was talking about earlier. Um, it, you could do that. You could be a hybrid that did multiple things just didn't do them very, very well. But the problem was, is you were set in stone. At least to me, the problem was that it was set in stone until you went and spent money to respec and change everything up again. Why not embrace the idea of a hybrid class again? Why not maybe find out a way that you can do something where your effectiveness and your role can change on the fly? And I'm just thinking in my head how much more dynamic that would be for five man group content or for uh, mythic dungeons and, and things like that, where you're a healer and you have a whole bunch of, let's say, you know, paladins, they tend to not take damage. And if they do, they tend to heal themselves because they're you know paladins. You're bored. 
as a healer. So you DPS, but you're not really doing that great of DPS unless you want to really like maybe put on DPS gear because you know it's going to happen ahead of time. But if you're going into a pug group, you don't know how that's going to be. But now you, if you have something that lets you switch on the fly a little bit and, and increase your effectiveness in that role, at least temporarily, then you can go ahead and react to it in real time. You can have that real time reaction. Like I like mythic plus timed dungeons. I think they're very fun. I like doing them with friends, but the problem is, is it relies very, very heavily on pre-planning. There is not a lot of reactionary that you can do once you're in. Once you're in, you're locked in. That's it. And sometimes things go sideways. And I've talked about this in the past. Some of my my best memories of raiding or best memories of, of dungeons from ye olden days is those weird, terrible moments where players were able to step up and fill a role on the fly. Like, I don't know, an arms warrior deciding to tank for X amount of times because they had access to certain tank buttons while we were figuring out how to get a tank up and a healer being able to kick into turbo mode to keep that off tank alive long enough for the group to recover. Or maybe the healer goes down and a DPS does that role, fills that role long enough to get through the encounter to bring the healer back up. We have, I haven't, I have not experienced something like that in a long, long time. And I think maybe bringing something that embraces the hybrid class a little bit more back into the game might allow for that to happen again. It might allow for those dynamic moments. And I may be ranting about it a little bit, but like those moments in the past, that's when I felt the most like epic and powerful. It wasn't because I was wielding an artifact that was powered by a Titan that was used to like in the sundering of the world. No, it was because me as a player, I was able to do something that maybe I shouldn't have been able to do or something that was really, really like just clutch in that moment and pull it out. And, and like get to the victory that would have been like snatched away from us. If I, if we hadn't, I miss those moments and a class that is truly hybrid and can switch between, you know, maybe tanking or DPSing or healing and DPSing or healing and tanking on the fly like that, I think would be cool. I don't know how you, the heck you would balance it. I don't know how the heck you would itemize it. I don't know how the heck you would uh, do gear for it, but if we're pie in the sky, it, I think that would be great. And I think that would also satisfy somewhat of that multi-classing feel because you can have that, you know, warrior hex blade paladin uh, feel or the, the cleric wizard or whatever you wanted to do. And I think you could capture that a little bit. So sorry, that was probably a lot more than I think you guys wanted, but I, it's something no. I, I really feel passionate about. I, it, I just, I feel bad that I completely and utterly disagree with it. And Shock. I think it's, well, here's why. <laughs> Uh, I wouldn't mind it if we were in a system where everybody was a hybrid. The problem is that there are four classes that are not hybrids mm -hmm. and playing them always feels worse when somebody else can do what they do and then switch to doing something else and they can't. Um, and even with tanks, we have tanks that are more hybrid than other tanks. Some tanks when they're tanking are just tanks and that's it. Others can basically suddenly be jumping around massive DPS dealing, you know, t Titan gods and still be tanky. Uh, there's a reason that demon hunters are by far the most popular tanks in mythic plus with paladins as a not particularly close second. Um, and it is because demon hunters can Kite. do a ton of stuff that is not tanky. They are, much more hybrid than other tanks mm -hmm. while still maintaining the tank essence. As long as that's the kind of problem that they have, and they do have it in world of Warcraft, I don't see how this works. 
And that's the only reason that I disagree with it. Not because it isn't a cool idea, well, uh, just because I, I, it's not just even the balance issue. It's just an issue of if we have non-hybrid classes, if uh, this is my, my basic argument has always been that wow should never have had classes that didn't have at least two roles. And that in fact, I, now I have an idea for a feature that they should bring in. Nobody doesn't have another role spec. You give, you know, every everybody who's got anything has a, a spec that does something else. Uh, we finally get that medic spec for rogues. Um, we, we get, you know, that tanking spec for warlocks. Uh, mages get a healing spec, you know, and hunters, you know, they can tank via using their pet directly, like as a tank. And you, you know what I mean? Like that way you never have to have anybody feel like, well, all I can do is shoot things and uh, the, the, the other guy can shoot things just as well as me and can also do this. So there, there's my idea for a feature. Everybody gets an off spec. Sure. Um, but yeah, One I think that pretty much answers the question. Oh, no, here's Liz. Cool. Oh, no, I see y'all have been talking and while you've been talking, I've been thinking over here and that's a problem because then I want to talk more. Um, the thing about hybrid classes in WoW at present, they're almost like playing multiple classes, like like the job system where you can just switch around. Because when I'm a holy paladin, I'm a healer. I am nothing but a healer. There is no hybridization. Me being a paladin lets me choose, am I a healer? Am I a but, DPS? Yeah. Am I a tank? There's no mixing or blending that yes, I can do. Exactly. And that's what my, that's what Joe's idea would, would deal with. Yeah. But my favorite example of, you know, why I like the kind of vanilla talent tree system was way back in the day, I was a holy prot paladin. I had I was primary holy and I put all my other points in protection. That was not the meta spec. It was not the best spec. But I was, I had much more survivability. I could off tank in a pinch if I really needed to. I wasn't good at it. But if the group needed it, if a tank went down, if an off tank went down, I could jump in and tank for a little bit. So you had that hybridization and the game does not have that anymore. It doesn't feel that way to me. And to respond to, to Garbwire in chat real quick, that's why you make it a choice. You don't make it the norm. Right. Like if you do something that is like that, you just make it a player option. So you can play as a hybrid or you don't have to. Right. I don't know. Like, and that's one of the benefits, like to Liz's point, that the old talent tree did have. And maybe if they were to explore something like that and take out all of the 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 bloat, because there was a lot of bloat. There was a lot of useless talents that like Matt pointed out. They that were just the thing like, is they weren't even useless. They were necessary. They were necessary. But they didn't filler. do anything. They just this is my biggest problem with that talent tree. I, I when when you first hired me to to work on the site where I worked on previously, I spent so much time writing talent guides, and I so had to I. keep yep. writing them over every time and there was an over update, every single and time over again, and it was always the same thing. People would didn't want to know about the specs Liz is talking about the cool unique specs that weren't maybe as viable, but could allow you to do cool interesting stuff. No, how can people I maximize the best? spec and if you tried to give them anything else it was like literally rioting in the comments i I remember writing that warrior column and just every time i had to do one of those things i knew what was going to happen next and i knew when i went into a dungeon if i it it got so bad that at one point i remember i had two specs that i went with a lot i went with a 31 515 spec 
which was the ARMS 31, uh, Fury 5, Prot 15. Uh, and then I had a 3120 spec, which was 31 ARMS, 20 Fury, nothing Prot. I was not allowed to tank groups with the spec with Prot in it. People would get mad if I had Prot in my tanking spec. Like if I if I didn't go full prot all the way, they they you know did they they thought the best tanking spec was thirty one uh, twenty, and they would not hear anything. And I remember this, and I remember being like just so tired of it. The things Liz is saying are true about the about those talents, but they're also not universal to how people played the game. Mm-hmm. Like if you brought them back, people would immediately. There would be that loud drumbeat of what's the best one, and we, what's the most effective one, and we still see it now, even with yeah. even what was there. We saw it throughout Azerite. We saw it throughout. Yeah, um, absolutely. Soulbinds with he, the, everything else. Yeah, I think it's Allison Robert who used to say that you know players are relentlessly rational. They, yeah. they will find the the most numerically appropriate way to do it, and then they will not listen to anything else. I mean. So I, that's why one of the reasons I want to get rid of all the talents that are just here's five points that make you five percent more crit. Or, you know, here's five points that give you 5% more parry. Ditch all that. Give me smaller talent trees that where that have choices. But then by all means, I I, I would like it if we did, had a talent tree that wasn't just a list of stuff and you pick one out of like three in a, in a tier. I think we've, we've experimented with that one about as far as we can go. And it is the reason we keep getting borrowed power systems. Yeah. It's the reason we keep getting complexity. Because Liz is right the older system had more customization. Uh, just unfortunate that it also had a lot of stuff that was just there to force you further down the tree. And a lot of stuff that was prohibitive to keep you from really, truly exploring Yeah, how, how weird you could get. But I think we've, we've covered this one. Yeah. You I guys think, think so? Yeah. I've talked a lot about it. Liz. I, we could go around in circles on this all night, but uh, we should yeah. move on. I well, think we're at time, is, actually. Yeah, we're at time. Um, I am going to say, I'm going to look. Do you guys see any question that you think we can answer fast? I don't think so. No. The no. Chang one. Oh, buddy. Heck. Yeah. That's all right. a long one. That is a long one. So, yeah, we're going to be done now. Uh, we'll probably roll that one forward into the next one. Yep. Uh, like we do. This is, you know, thanks, you guys, for your questions. Uh, again, if you have a question, please uh, send it to podcast at blizzardwatch.com with the subject line podcast at blizzardwatch or go to our discord um, we've got two channels the patron q and podcast questions channel and the q questions channel you can hit us up there as well uh gonna throw it over to joe and remember folks that blizzard watch is made possible due to the generous contributions at patreon.com slash blizzard watch your continued support means this podcast sighting community is able to thrive and grow Blizzard Watch supporters enjoy exclusive benefits like early access to the podcast, a better chance at having your question answered on our podcast or the queue, and an ads-free site experience. Thank you, Joe. Uh, I'm now sitting here thinking about the weird Fury build I had that was a slam DPS build and how nobody used it but me. Um, and I liked it, but nobody used it. DPS shields, let's go. <laughs> I mean, I seriously like... One of the things that was really the saddest part of Warlords of Draenor for me was that they put in a tanking DPS spec for Warriors. They put in a sword and board DPS spec, Gladiator Stance. And then they got rid of stances entirely and took it out. So that brief moment for one expansion, we had it, and then it was gone. And it was never the top DPS. It was never... I th- oh, I, that's not true. It was the top DPS for a month. Uh, before people started getting geared... 
they went into t- t- dungeons, they went into raids with gladiator stance, and then as gear got up, they it fell off and it never came back. But for that moment, it existed, and that was kind of like what Liz is talking about with the talent thing. Was that kind of hybridization? Because if you were a gladiator stance warrior, you were still prod. You could still switch to tanking and be a good tank because you just had one talent that was a DPS talent that switched everything over. So yeah, that, I've been thinking about. Now I'm thinking about that. But we actually have to end the show. We do. <laughs> yes. So uh, thank you guys for being here with us. This has been the Blizzard Watch podcast. I'm Matt. You guys know Joe and Liz. Uh, thank you for being with us, and we will be here next week. <laughs>